Hi, everybody. My name is Kim Winter. I'm your host today. Thanks for joining us. Before I forget, please go to Logistics Executive TV on YouTube to see uh, the other podcasts that we're producing. Today, I'm joined by Scott Phillips. Scott is the Global Supply Chain and Sourcing Director for ECHO Global Shoe Production and Sourcing. ECHO, really interesting organisation that Scott will tell us about today. Scotty, welcome and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Kim. Thanks for having me. Much, much, much of a pleasure. Great. So, Echo is a um, is a mega player in the uh, the global shoe industry and uh, a Danish business, multi billion dollar organisation. Quite interesting, in as much that uh, you guys pretty much run the end to end supply chain yourselves. So, by all means, tell us about the organisation and uh, give us a bit of an intro into uh, into Echo. Yeah, Echo is a, a unique business within the, the shoe industry. Uh, it is vertically integrated. It's, it's a Danish company, still privately owned uh, around uh, over a, a Euro um, billion dollar revenue company. Uh, so we are a big player. We own all of our assets from end to end. So we, we make our own leathers, we, we make our own shoes and our own manufacturing sites around the world. And we also retail uh, our own product in our own operated retail environment. Uh, we also have a growing e-commerce platform uh, and along with other customers and shopping shops around with wholesalers and, and distributors, uh, we, we service about 88 markets globally with our brand. Uh, so we're still a growing company of 55 years old, but growing, uh, been extremely successful in the, in the, recent, uh, in the recent decade. Uh, so if you haven't tried a pair of Echo shoes, get into a store, uh, a shameless plug, uh, get a pair on your feet. You'll never, you'll never turn back as Kim knows. I certainly, uh, I can certainly vouch for the product. I've been wearing them for years, uh, Scott, as you know, and uh, wouldn't be caught without a pair of any, whether they be business or casual or anything else. Really, really comfortable product. Um, so, Scott, tell us a little bit about, uh, you have a significant uh, role to play in the organisation globally. Um, tell us a little bit about the way the pandemic has impacted on the business. Um, and maybe from there we can explore uh, some of the uh, activities that have taken place since. Yeah, it's uh, been an owner-operated sort of vertical supply chain. We, we don't have really anywhere we can go when crisis hits. We, we have to be responsible for our own supply chain. Uh, so we, we had a significant uh, challenge, especially uh, when COVID really got taking uh, in a lot of countries. We operate in, in countries such as Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam, China. Uh, also, we have operations in India and, and, and Europe. With our customers across the globe and retail basically shutting down with all these lockdowns around the world, we had a, a big challenge to, to manage our inventory, not just uh, upstream with materials and, and, and how, we how we manage our manufacturing, uh, but also then the, the downstream into the markets and, and where we store inventory and, and, and how we actually cut up the pie. Uh, on what's going where and, and where we need it. Um, our, our demand forecasting, for example, was thrown out the window. We, we, we just had to uh, roll with the punches and as markets went down, as markets came back, um, we had to have inventory in the right position. So it was a significant challenge. We couldn't just turn to our supplier and say, you know, no more purchase orders. Uh, we cut uh, our commitment, we cut our buy because that's cutting ourselves as well. Uh, so it was a really delicate uh, operation to, to manage the supply chain through, the, through that period. So, 
So thanks for that. And, and knowing a fair bit about your supply chain, having kept up with the news about what Echo's been doing over recent years, um, and again, the extensive degree to which um, the organisation controls much of its own supply chain, quite, quite unusually for many, many uh, companies of, of your type. Um, do, do you think you were ready for something like this? I mean, what, how, how, do you, how do you assess how, how ready you were for what happened and what were the results of that readiness or otherwise? Yeah, that's a great question, Kim. And uh, any, any, any supply chain that says we're fully ready and expected a crisis to come along the size of uh, COVID-19, well, I think maybe a, a little bit uh, above themselves. I, I certainly think we had aspects of our supply chain we were ready for aspects we were not and caught us by surprise. Um, I think a lot of the work we did, uh, especially after the Thailand floods in 2011 on our risk mitigation plan, our geographical diversity of, of supply uh, and, and how we understand our supply chain and the, and the brand of our supply chain was super critical leading up to, the, to, to January, February this year when China really got hit uh, and we shut our factories down in, in, in China and our raw material sourcing got uh, started to get disrupted. So I say a lot of aspects, again, we were prepared uh, because we had structured our supply chain and, and which fits our brand. So we're not a lean supply chain. We have a lot of geographical diversity in our supply. We have a lot of dual sourcing on our materials. Uh, we have a lot of, uh, uh, of differentiation in our markets that we can sell into as well. Uh, and along that, the branding of our supply chain, I think has really created the baseline behind been able to help survive in the past six months. Okay. So the, the geographical diversity that you talk about, I suppose, would be akin to what most organisations would see as, as being nearshoring, in effect. Um, your, your geographical diversity was driven by what factors? Because pre-COVID, you were already there in that part of your supply chain. What, what were the drivers behind that? Yeah, I think... Well, Twofold, the, the the owner the owner's vision of of having uh, consistent supply constantly, so all our factories can make uh, a variety of product, uh, so we don't we're not reliant, we don't have dependencies on a single factory, and I think that came home to roost when Thailand uh, we had the floodings in Thailand in 2011, which was our biggest factory at the time, we had a huge disruption to our supply uh, and defaulting on delivery into markets just as we're going through a big growth curve. And, and that's spawned a strategy of saying, you know, uh, one factory can only have a certain amount of capacity and our semi-specialization within those factories uh, need to be more diversified. So we have skill sets to run uh, the same technical products in, in multiple sites. Um, so with that strategy, whilst it costs a little bit extra, um, especially when there's no crisis and we become more lean because um, eventually we have to pass the cost on. But as we, as we saw at the beginning of this crisis, we were able to move product in and out of different manufacturing sites very quickly uh, to be able to maintain, um, you know, what the markets were going to demand when the, when they opened back up. So that was a really big advantage, but there is a cost that you have to carry. Uh, and, and that's the brand of our supply chain that we, we go with to, to minimize uh, risk. Okay. So, so when the pandemic struck uh, in the various countries where there were lockdowns um, yeah. from the perspective of, of where your business units are, 
how did that impact and what sort of uh, what, what sort of percentage or how many of your business units could afford to have people working from home as opposed to the manufacturing and, and other elements where they needed to be hands-on? How, how, how did that work out? Yeah, obviously uh, different aspects and different parts of the supply chain. So uh, upstream, our material supply was, was getting impacted, obviously, if, if factories are locked down or, or the logistics in and out of that area is locked down. Uh, we, we started to see dependencies on certain parts of our supply chain that were creating disruption. Uh, our factories, luckily, none of them had to permanently shut. Um, although we did take a week out in China, uh, in our factory in China, uh, straight after Chinese New Year, uh, due to the government uh, lockdown across China. We were able to ramp up China factory to 100% within three weeks after it was locked down so that caused disruption but not significant then our offices around the world um, more of our corporate offices and our sales offices uh, yes we had to work from home uh, including our office here in Singapore uh, everyone was uh, working from home for two months that was a, a challenge a different challenge I guess our biggest impact though was uh, in our retail environment uh, where we had to uh, you know use different tactics such as furloughing and, and things like this because our, our shops were shut all around the world. At one stage, we had around 80% of all of our retail um, closed down uh, for, for a week. So luckily that's reversed now. We see only very small pockets of retail uh, being closed. Uh, but at the same time, getting the machine started again on that end was, was a real challenge. And from your perspective within the organisation, how did you organise from uh, a management or an executive level in terms of communication? Was there new paradigms of communication set up uh, for meetings with those working from home? Uh, and who was leading those, uh, those elements of communication within the, within the company? Yes, definitely. Uh, an, increase, an increased communication uh, was, well, was a natural outcome, the fact that we couldn't see each other. Uh, day to day and meet each other at the coffee machine, the water cooler, whatever. <laughs> um, we take those things for granted now. Um, or we did before, we don't now. Uh, so we had a natural increase in communication. A lot of it was led by supply chain um, and resources across supply chain. The cadence of replanning all of our uh, demand and supply uh, was, uh, you know, three, four, five times what we would normally do. So we'd have you know, almost weekly planning cycles rather than monthly planning cycles at some stages. Uh, keeping, you know, even the, the lowest level uh, staff engaged and, and communicated to was daily. Um, so we, we really had to, to ramp up our messaging in what we were communicating, being very transparent in what was happening, being real about the impacts that this was having um, because we don't want, we didn't want rumours, we didn't want, problems we didn't want uh, inconsistent messages going out because the next week everything would change again and and this was something we again we took for granted before the crisis that that, that level of communication goes missing with emails and uh, with these uh, uh, complacencies in the in the common workplace since we've come back Kim this has changed a lot as well we've continued these daily meetings especially with our functional teams uh, to make sure we're just checking in what's happening. If nothing's happening, we move on. Uh, and we've uncovered a lot of really good 
uh, initiatives along that way. Thanks. And, and did you did you see uh, was the cream rising to the top? We hear much about organisations finding out that they they have uh, heroes in their business, and they find out that when these sort of uh, these sort of pressures are put on to the organisation, and a lot of organisations that we've seen in the media are very surprised and and uh, pleased about the fact that people have stepped up, doing more hours, they're more productive. What was the general sense of understanding in your business? Uh, one way or the other, were you finding that there were improvements across the board in productivity? Were people working longer or was it pretty much the same? It's hard to judge when you're working from home uh, and you're not in factories and you're not seeing uh, material supplies, you're not seeing uh, your freight forwarders uh, in person anymore. So it's hard to judge from that angle. But certainly we had a lot of people who obviously put hard, hard, hard yards in to, to keep the business running. Uh, and having to think differently, having to cultivate a different mindset. The decision-making, we had to do more from the gut rather than the analytics. Our systems and our processes were almost not made redundant, but an example there, I'll give you, we, we threw most of our supply chain KPIs in the bin for six months because they became irrelevant. They became something that we would focus on that didn't drive any value from what, what the outcome was. Our delivery performance was dropping down to 60%. We'd normally sit up in the, in the mid to high 90s. So what does that mean? Should we panic about this or do we understand the context we're within? And from that, I think people really went, okay, there's no KPIs that we're looking at and being judged on, so we get on with making decisions. So we went to more to the exploratory decision-making rather than the, the formal decision-making hierarchy process that we had previously. Mm. And that gave us a, a real view into how people work and, and who was... Able, the old school hands-on management mm. uh, rather than the system control process, almost mind-numbing um, analytics that we can get into these days. So we saw, we saw some real good talent come through uh, that we wouldn't have given or seen come through before. Mm. And we also found a few people out um, and, and we have to deal with that performance uh, in, the, in the aftermath as well. Uh, overall, uh, our... Uh, people in our business, I think, have performed exceptionally well um, to keep the business up and running uh, and, and, and be able to mitigate all the problems that we've found. Uh, and the, the mood, the culture of the, the, the company is still very positive, still quite energetic, um, and, and we're getting more and more people back into the office. We can see that you know they're re-engaged again, uh, looking forward to uh, getting back on the growth path. You, you talk about um, mindset there for a while and, you know, do you find that the mindset of the organisation now or the, the people in it is, is much more tuned to expectation of disruption? Um, do people see the pandemic, which of course we're still in, um, being, being an ongoing thing or do they think it's something that's finite and uh, then we can go back to normal? Uh, is there going to be such a, a, a normal back in your organisation, do you think? Uh, is there going to be a new normal? I don't know, Kim, is that a statement that you're asking? Yeah, yeah, what's your view? <laughs> uh, I hope so and I hope not in, in two ways. I hope so because we can um, get on with some of the innovation, innovation projects. I hope not because this has been a really interesting process to, to get back to some old school skill sets. The mindset, I, I think the best way I can put this is the mindset we 
tried to keep very transparent, very open. Um, so we, we really leveled out the hierarchy uh, as flat as we could, uh, empower people to get on with things and, and make decisions, which we may not have normally done. Um, and we and we did that with uh, you know a real uh, mindfulness around uh, being in the moment. So yes, we are in a crisis. Yes, we don't know how long it's going to last for. Um, it may be over tomorrow. It may be over in two years. We don't know. Uh, standing back in in March, we're probably thinking by summer in Europe we can be over this and and you know get on with a, a nice holiday and then and then uh, on with the business. So here we are post summer in Europe pretty much and we're not through it so we've had to be really in the moment in the context of where we are uh, and consistently adjusting um, having gratitude towards our employees as well has been really a big thing um, you know giving them encouragement and and saying thank you for even the small tasks that they wouldn't normally do i think has been helpful um, and and lastly and this is something i think we we lack in general supply chain uh, industry is, is having some levels of empathy around what's actually happening in people's lives, stuck at home or uh, being impacted by uh, their partners, potentially losing jobs or something like this, uh, family restrictions, not being able to see their families uh, and trying to understand that uh, and, and being part of that with them because we're also part of it as, as leaders um, and being empathetic to that. I hope is going to have some long-lasting uh, impact on the business of, uh, in the future. I know you've uh, always been um, very big on diversity in terms of just because you're such a multinational organisation for one, but I, your personal philosophy has always been around uh, diversity within the organisation, gender, cultural diversity. Um, yep. Do you think that philosophy and that approach that you've had has been an asset during this time of real pressure and crisis? And if so, how's that played out? I think, uh, Kim, it's always an asset, uh, not just during a crisis, having diversity in the organisation and um, through through the, the working uh, functional groups is, is always important. Mm. In a crisis, it even comes to the fore more. Um, we saw, you know, people being able to take different, different steps, different ideas, different decisions because of their, their backgrounds. So we don't have all the uh, all the one sort. So we had differences of differences of opinions. So my, our planning team here in Singapore is 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 all women, for example, <laughs> which uh, is 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 mostly good during a crisis. Really good because they they're very pragmatic and and I'm not. I'm talking very generally, so I have to be a bit careful, Kim, but they got on with the task to, you know, tick things off um, and we didn't find any issues. Of course, when they're in the office together, there's a bit more gossip and a bit more, you know, this and this and this, and that's a bit of fun as well. Um, also, the, the nationalities we have in our team, you know, range from, from, from Western cultures to Eastern cultures, um, and, and that creates a different um, link of, of thinking. Uh, and when you have no formal rules anymore because you're in crisis and you have to think on your feet, you get a lot of things coming to the surface where you go, oh, yeah, I haven't thought of that. Let's explore quickly and get on with it. So I think diversity both in uh, um, cultures and also uh, gender and, and, and these type of things is, is always an asset, but especially helped out in, 
in, in the last six months, yeah. uh, especially around that planning aspect um, when we're replanning every day, every week, uh, our entire footprints. Keeps everybody on their toes. Certainly me, Kim. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you were to look back from the helicopter view, Scott, and over the last, I don't know, four, six months, and you were to say what were the greatest learnings um, that you could call upon and, and overview and so the things that we really picked up most that are going to help us moving forward uh, or to help us deal in the moment with what, what happened and what has happened so far, what would you point to those as being? Well, first of all, Kim, I don't know. I hope we don't, you don't, I don't, and um, the next generation don't have to deal with such a crisis again. So soon, I think uh, that's been extremely disruptive, and um, I don't know where that leaves the next generation. So let's let's, for for sake of good order, say that we don't have another global pandemic for for another good period of time. You know, 15, 20 years. Um, but the reality is, we probably will, and we have to learn very fast what we what we know now, what we didn't know six months ago. So first thing is habits. You know, old habits die hard, right? I think we, we all know as we get older, we, we, we prefer the comfort zone rather than, than not. And we have to, no matter how old we are, no matter how mature our supply chain is, no matter how mature our business is, we have to kill those old bad habits um, while we have a chance. I think that will help us move on very quickly. Um, as I said, we threw away all our KPIs, for example. So as we bring them back into today's business, we're reviewing a lot. Uh, is this valuable? Is, do, we, do we need this KPI? Does it give us any advantage to review this KPI or use this KPI for decision-making in the future? This is not new stuff. This is, you know, some, some academia through here to say, you know, KPIs are redundant, whatever. Now we should look at other things, but we're bringing less KPIs back in. That means something to us. I think some other things, Kim, that we've, we've learned is around our dependencies. So we found some really dark areas of our supply chain that we took for granted, some small parts that we were extremely dependent on but we didn't pay any attention to, and that caught us out. So we had a, a reliance on some technical expertise out of India, for example, in ECHO the last, uh, the last six months. And when India locked down, uh, they really locked down hard. So there was no in or out for two or three weeks in their ports out of Chennai. And, and we were really hamstrung with, you know, just a few million dollars of business that was impacting, you know, a huge amount of business uh, globally for us. So those dark corner dependencies, we need to now not be complacent with them and understand them more and more and, and find the strategies around um, uh, giving them some, some life in the future about, you know, we, we can mitigate risk. Um, yeah, we touched on people as well, right? So having the right people in the right areas with the right mix, this is, you know, this is something we've got to keep working on daily, every day, look in the mirror, do we, are we doing the right things? Are we giving our people the right conditions? Are we got the right people in the right positions? And, and not be scared to adjust um, during, uh, during not only crisis, but even in good times, not to become com complacent with people development. So just on that, so just yep. on that, Scott. You know, you you've got a reputation as a as a as a strong coach and mentor in terms of people development within your organisation. 
um, what what would be the key two or three things that you look for um, in a skill set or characteristics uh, when mm-hmm. you're encouraging or inviting or recruiting people to join the organization? Uh, what what are those key elements that as a leader that you're looking for in the organization? Well, first and foremost, we're looking for, 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 for a person with a with a not necessarily a skill set, but actually understanding their own personality, understanding they've been honest to themselves because that will help us understand whether they'll fit into the business or not. Mm-hmm. So we, we cultivate a cult, an organizational culture around what we have, but we also need to be able to understand how we bring people into that culture. So I see lots of really, I mean, Singapore's a, a, a melting pot of great education. So everyone in Singapore coming out of university or school is, is well-educated. Um, however, the, the, the people who really understand who they are and what they can deliver and, and what value they can, they can bring, not only on the skill set side, because they're all educated, but also on, the, um, on, on who they are as a person, how they fit into how the working style, yeah. that's who we'll bring into the organisation. And then we give them opportunity and then we give them development and then we're quite patient with them. Uh, and, you know, good people come and go in an organisation. And that's, we have to accept that as well, Kim. We can't expect everyone to stay around forever. Um, being an older, more mature company from, from Denmark, where we have employees that are still here from day one, that are, you know, still retiring, they've been 40, 50 years in the business, is, is amazing. It's exceptional. We need to learn from them and respect that. But at the same time, bringing new blood in, we make sure they fit. Um, so if you can be really honest with yourself and who you are and what you can bring, uh, and we can find that fit with the, with the business and the culture that we, we have, right. um, then we'll give opportunity development and time for them to develop into you know, what they can be, what they can maximize themselves to be. Uh, and that helps with us being very fit to change our organization as well, Kim. So we can't just get stuck in the same way by having the same people with the same ideas day in, day out. Um, and, and that's how we're going to move into the future. Well, thanks, Scott. I mean, we really appreciate you sharing your insights with us today. I know you've been right on the front line. You're a very hands-on operator inside the business uh, with a, a very wide range of uh, executives and staff inside your business. Just to wrap up, um, I'd like to pan back out a little bit from, uh, from the pandemic and your business in particular, just in general terms as a as a uh, strong business leader, um, perhaps just a couple of tips from you for organisations and other leaders, whether they be from small organisations or, or large scale uh, enterprises, um, organisations that have struggled or are you know, really struggling to, to kick on and to kick start and to work their way through where we are now for, for the next few months and next year in, in business. Any tips from your perspective, whether you carry experience with you for over many years or, or in recent times, just in terms of uh, what, what leaders should be focusing on over the next six to 12 months to, to really drive their enterprises forward? Yeah, I think over-communicating right now is super important, Kim. So uh, even if the message may be irrelevant to uh, 50% of the people you're communicating to, it doesn't matter. I mean information is so important right now and as it moves so quickly uh, things are changing so often um, whether it be supply chain or organizations or borders opening up people being able to see or um, 
be with family, for example. So just over-communicate messages and, and facts uh, and be honest with it and be transparent. I think that's really helped us uh, in the business, but also personally myself and in my family situation as well um, has, has helped get through this period when it was, it was quite tough, especially in lockdown. Um, be open to new ideas right now. So those projects that you've stopped uh, because you're just trying to run the business, go back and review them, spend some time going back and get out of the daily grind of just trying to keep going at the moment and reset. So reset your, your SNOP, uh, for example. So take the learnings from what you have. Look at your SNOP. Don't stop your SNOP. Uh, I, I've seen a few businesses, Kim, that are shutting their SNOP or their IPV down at the moment because they think it's, there's no point. The information's flawed because of the crisis we're in. This is, I think, is, is the wrong direction. We need to get back into our SNOP, get back to our projects, get back to think about innovation. This is uh, really important, not, not for tomorrow, but for, for 6, 12, uh, you know, even longer, five years' time for the business to be back you know, in the spotlight, in the sunshine. Um, and then most of it, just show some compassion and empathy to, the, to, the, to, to everyone. Um, we're all going through difficult times right now. Uh, we're all stuck either in a country and, and we can't see families. Um, we all, a lot of us have the privilege to work in international businesses as expatriates. Uh, and that privilege is now being tarnished with the fact that we can't move. Um, so everyone has a story. Uh, we need to be empathetic to those stories and understand what they're going through. Uh, but at the same time, once we understand, we, we get back to business and, uh, and make sure we put the performance as much as we can on the board. So um, these are just some of my learning skin. There's many more out there. Um, this is Echo's business that I've been, uh, had the privilege of writing for the last uh, six months, well, six years, but in the last six months on almost the supply chain on steroids, so to speak, um, uh, in what we're doing. Uh, but there's a lot more learnings out there and I'm, I'm really keen to keep learning what other people are going through, what other companies are doing. I hope I can just have shared a little bit of, of what we're about today. No, I really appreciate your authenticity and your honesty and in, in, in sharings from inside of your organisation. Um, I'm, I'm sure the audience will really appreciate uh, the, the guts of what you've been talking about and the, the openness uh, with which you've shared it. So thank you again. We really do appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Um, as is everybody, and uh, I, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Uh, to everybody who's joined us today, thank you for your time. I'm sure if you uh, have any questions, then by all means in the comments section um, below, then if you want to uh, address Scott, then he's easy to find on LinkedIn, uh, Scott Phillips at Echo, and I'm sure Scott, as part of your philosophy, you'd be more than happy to talk to people and share further insights with them. Thank you to everybody in the supply chain that's uh, really making an effort to keep, uh, keep everybody across the supply chain and across the world safe and sound during this period. Um, to all the first responders, as always, uh, our serious respect for all the work that the first responders, uh, health workers and, uh, and government workers and, and police, et cetera, across the world are, um, are doing to, to keep us safe and healthy. Um, by all means, uh, keep, keep an eye on what we're doing on Logistics Executive TV. It's our effort to bring 
more insights and more executives to the fore. Thanks again, Scott, and we look forward to catching okay. up in Singapore. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Stay safe and uh, all the best. Thank you. You too. Cheers. Bye.